People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest 100% organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply, see site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey Iz. Hi Em. So what do you think? Are Lenny and Lisa rekindling things? Because we're getting a little bit of conflicting information recently. And I know you guys all saw her story, which was a photo of flowers with the caption, what an unexpected and beautiful surprise. And the location was Dr. Leonard Hochstein, meaning I guess it was at his office. I just think there's no way. There's too much like hate between the two of them, it seems. And they've gone so low and petty and shallow that... There's no way to recover from that. But I love the mess and I love the back and forth. And honestly, for both of their sakes and for the sake of their children, I'm glad that they're at least on okay terms that not only would he get her flowers in some capacity, but she would post them and let us all know, like, we're getting better. I don't know, because obviously a huge part of me agrees with you that it's just too far gone. At the same time, I don't think it's the craziest thing that maybe they came to some sort of an agreement of like, you know what, this is the way our marriage is going to work from now on. I'm not even saying an open marriage, just maybe some other things in place that are potentially unconventional, but work for them because maybe going into the divorce, it just turned too messy. I don't know. I'm not ruling it out. Honestly, as long as they keep us in the loop and show it all, I am happy with whatever the outcome is. I could just watch them do anything all day long. Yeah. (laughs) Remember how we felt when they had a double confessional this season on Miami? We were literally the happiest girls alive. I know. And we're going to get so much of it next season. Not double confessional, I don't think. I'll tell you that. No, not a double confessional, but a lot of Lisa confessionals and maybe, you know, Larsa pulling her aside and getting the real tea. Because one thing about Larsa Pippen, say what you want, she's down to ask the questions. Oh, she's going to get the tea. Yeah. She wants that camera time. And and that's when her thirst really helps us. Yes. Oh my God. She really does the dirty work that we need her to do. Yeah. Wait, I have to tell you guys the funniest thing. So I don't know, let's say a week ago, I get this email from, I guess it was the PR team that does Casa del Sol. And they're like, we'd love to send you a bottle in celebration of the next episode. Is there a best mailing address you can send it to? I saw this email in the middle of the night, right? I respond. I totally, totally forget about it. So on Wednesday night, Julie Isabel and I go to the Harry Styles concert and we did the whole one, two punch thing where you take an edible before you get there. And then you take an edible once you were there and it hits. So 
I am baked out of my mind. Okay. Go to the concert. It's incredible. I'm on cloud nine. I get home, the Uber drops me off and I walk into my building and my doorman's like, Oh, Emma, by the way, this is for you. And it's a bottle of Casa del Sol to Emma from Kathy Hilton. That's what the tag says. (laughs) Obviously, logically, I understand that it's not Kathy Hilton sending me a bottle of tequila personally. It's their PR team. I had given my address a week prior, but I'm going to tell you something. When I am stoned at 1am on the high of the Harry Styles concert, I thought for damn sure it was Kathy Hilton that sent that to me personally. There's also two other funny parts of this story. Number one, Emma never told me any of this from start to finish. So all of a sudden I get a photo at 1 a.m. of the bottle that says to Emma from Kathy Hilton. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? (laughs) And second, you have to tell them what your doorman said, that everybody walking by was looking at the bottle like, oh, Kathy Hilton, like what's going on here? (laughs) No, it was so funny because the way my building is, they have like a table at the front because since COVID, there's been so many more deliveries. And the next day, Julie and I are leaving my apartment and, and my doorman's like, hmm. Kathy Hilton, pretty fancy. And I'm laughing. He's like, I had to put it behind the desk because everybody was eyeing it. He's like, this bottle of tequila became the talk of the building. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was so funny. Meanwhile, it's just the PR team, but you know what? I will take it because for those five minutes, I was flying high. Amazing. Okay. Beverly Hills. You want to start with that? I guess so. I'm exhausted by this. You Isabel sent me a tweet last night from Ryan Bailey that said, I'll give someone a million dollars that I don't have to record this Beverly Hills recap pod for me tonight. I'm dragging. I mean, how many different ways can you say these aren't great people? Don't expect much. And when you sent that to me, I felt it in my soul. It's like, I am so deeply grateful that we get to do this. Don't get me wrong. I just don't know how much more I feel we can say that's like impactful or worth talking about at this point. Right. Especially because it's just so messy at this point. I don't even think they know that how they feel or even what they're talking about. Like, I feel like everybody there is just going in circles and nobody's saying really what they think or what they feel or even like really understands what's going on. So how do you expect us to know what's going on? It's like really a difficult situation. And truly my biggest takeaways were like Crystal has balls and I am so appreciative for it because we fucking need her. And more insight into the Kathy Kyle relationship that we've been so curious about for all these years. I feel like I finally have a really much deeper understanding of it now. I am really afraid that the majority of the Kathy Kyle stuff is not filmed because the way they ended this episode with those text messages, the screen goes black. It's not looking good for us. I mean, I'm sure we'll get the aftermath film, but it's really seeming like everything we've been hearing about, I don't even think we're going to get to see. No, we don't get to see any of it because the cameras didn't go into the Caribou Club with them. Seeing that footage of them leading up and driving up to it, talking about are they going to get in in their outfits, was so eerie because we've been reading for months about how this night went down and how it was a complete disaster. So to see the footage of them pulling up and then knowing that they went in, I'm sure the camera crews thought, whatever, they'll just have a nice night and then we'll get them when they get back or in the morning. And that's when everything went down. I mean, look, this trip is pretty hellish already, but we haven't even gotten to like the breaking point when everything really, really hits the fan. Well, the thing with Kathy and Kyle is last week when we saw the preview of Kathy being pissed at Rena and then saying, you know, and Kyle doesn't even say a fucking word. 
it was short-lived. You know, Kathy just removed herself from the situation. I, I guess, naively thought we were going to get more of that, and we didn't. It seemed like everything was kind of fine with them, right? So it's like whatever happened in that next phase is going to be the lost files, pretty much. I guess so. I mean, that whole thing really dissipated quickly, way quicker than I thought, because I thought Kathy would really hold on to that. And all of a sudden, we're back at Kyle's in the kitchen, Rin is trying on her hat, and Kathy's just standing there hanging out with the two of them, the two people that she just left a party because of, and she kind of was just over it already. I don't know if that will circle back or it was sort of just noted in her head and that Kathy was already on edge and that's what kind of led up to everything. But I was I was definitely surprised how quickly that was swept under the rug. I think probably what happened is that Kathy was really pissed at Kyle and she let it go for the moment, but it was building up throughout the day. And then whatever happened at the Caribou Club really sent her over the edge. Right. Well, what I think happens, I mean, I don't, I don't know, but I think that Kathy has some sort of meltdown at the Caribou Club. And I feel like just based on seeing how Kyle was as they were going there, she felt really embarrassed and cares a lot about what people at the club and around them are thinking and like probably freaked out on Kathy for her behavior for a multitude of reasons. And then that sort of led to Rinna taking Kathy home and then Kathy unloads on her in the van and here we are. So it's annoying because we're only going to get to understand the story and build the pieces together based on them recounting it or like Rinna coming the next day and being like, you guys won't believe it. And look, say what you want about Rinna. Sometimes she's a trustworthy narrator, but sometimes she's definitely not. So we have to take it with a grain of salt. And really, we're going to have to use our judgment on what we really think happened. I really dislike when this happens on any show because the one thing that I always find comfort in when we're doing a recap or when we're talking about it is like, at least we all have the same set of facts. However you perceived it, that's fine. That's one thing. But at least we are all watched the same moment. At this point, we're not even watching the same thing. We're only watching someone recounting it. And automatically, your opinion is going to be different based on how you feel about the person recounting it. Like It doesn't give us that neutral ground that I always like to start out from. It's so frustrating because it's like you're filming a reality show. The one minute they turn the cameras off, the biggest fucking thing happens. I know. You know, you know it's like good and that they're really trying to do their due diligence when you see screenshots of text. Like that means Rena and Erica had to literally go to their text and send in screenshots for the producers to use to help kind of s- – move the storyline along and help us have an understanding of what they would have said or what they did say in that moment to each other. Well, it's interesting because I have to imagine the reason that the cameras weren't rolling at the Caribou Club is because they're not allowed to, correct? Yeah, I think so. Or also maybe they were just like done for the day. I don't know. I guess that doesn't really make sense, but they had done their like night activity. And sometimes they just move on to the next day. You know, maybe Kyle wanted to go there for an hour and get a drink. They can't film there. And that was it. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, after this happened, I bet they will make a rule that on the cast trips or really anywhere, they can't film or I guess have events at places that are private in that way, because it's a hard job now for the editors to bring the audience up to speed. Yeah. Oh, I I do not envy them. That's like really, really difficult, especially because it's going to be such a topic of conversation. And it's like, oh, we weren't even there. We're there for everything else except for this. Right. It's like they have a blow up at Soho House or Zero Bond. Like, what are you supposed to do with that? Right. You know, when like your friends hang out without you for one night and they have either the funniest night ever or an inside joke or they meet someone and it becomes such a thing and you're like, 
I wasn't there for that one night and here we are. That's what I feel, but almost the negative version is we're there for everything else. We never miss an event. We show up for everything. We know the ins and outs. I'm seeing like Dorit setting the table, every gold fork for her party. But then the biggest thing happens that everyone's not going to stop talking about. And of course, that's when we were, you know, out of town. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray, and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real, and for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. I want to talk about the Kyle and Dorit thing for a second because obviously Kyle was on edge the entire day and I think this really just set her over. But I hated watching this argument because I do believe out of anyone on the cast, they are the truest, deepest friends. Like really when push comes to shove, cameras off, they are very, very close kind of ride or dies. And I I didn't necessarily fault Kyle because I think she was just overly emotional. But to me, like if you said to me who was in the right here... I'm going to be more on Dorit's side. Like she was not at all trying to be antagonistic. She wasn't trying to do the wrong thing. She was just trying to balance the situation, you know? Yeah. And I think Kyle was just so mentally and physically exhausted in that moment. It was making her feel like, am I crazy? Like almost like Dorit's actions were gaslighting her of thinking, how can you be on Erica's side? Like, is there even a side to take? Is this not so cut and dry, right and wrong, which I think she was just spiraling about. But the way I feel, and I think it's much easier said than done when you're in the situation, but sometimes I think there are friendships that even surpass all of that. Like, I think Dorit behaved the way I almost would have. Like, let's say you and I were in that situation. If I had just looked at you as like my best friend and said, I got to deal with this. Like, this is not a statement about us. It's not this. Like, let's just make this work and keep the ball rolling and keep everybody happy. And we'll reconvene when we're at your house. Like, this has nothing to do with us. Our friendship is so much bigger and important than any of this. It was getting too nitty gritty. And I think because Kyle was feeling so sensitive and also maybe a little bit like regretful and on an island by herself because she was the only one of that core crew who went against Erica, it really just like put a spotlight on like this sort of 
split in the group. I also thought it was interesting that Dorit somehow got looped in, I think because of like the sleeping arrangements. She got looped in with Diana and Erica, which I, I think if they were, quote, picking teams, like if they had lined up like a dodgeball game in the beginning of the day, she never would have ended up there. And that Rinna was really staying with the other crew and not by Erica's side. I wonder how Erica feels about that or if she sort of was like, whatever, I don't care. Well, it's actually funny because almost the way that Erica was acting towards Rinna is how I would have expected Kyle to act towards Dorit, meaning- Yes, yes. Right? Like Erica didn't think that Rinna being with the other girls was her not being loyal to Erica. She just knew this is how the cookie crumbled for today and this is what makes the most sense. And I think that Dorit was honestly really surprised that Kyle was upset with her. Like I was really, it's funny you said that because I was really thinking about like me, you and Julie, if this were to happen. And I feel like a hundred percent, we would have been like, you know what, you deal with it. We'll discuss it later. Again, I get it. I'm, I'm willing to give Kyle grace. She was on edge. She wasn't necessarily thinking straight, but it, yeah, I think Dorit was kind of thrown. I almost, I really felt for her actually when they were in the kitchen, she was like, whoa, 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 this feels misdirected. I think Kyle was just so upset and f- always feels like Dorit is like her family. So for her to be like on the other side of it for that day, really, I, I think threw her off even more on a day that she was being thrown off left and right. But Everybody was so not into Mauricio getting involved, which, look, I get it. People are not happy he's there. They think it changes the dynamic, and they think, like, why is he getting involved? But I personally, for this one specific instance where the four of them are so close as two couples, and, like, I don't know, people think Mauricio and Dorit have a thing going on. I just think that they're all, like, super, super close because, like, I've seen my parents having relationships like that, and it's just how they are. I thought it was okay for him to interject in this moment because I think he feels like he could sort of bring them both back down to reality of like what we're saying. Like, you guys, this is ridiculous. Like, why are you getting caught up in this superficial bullshit? Like, our friendship goes so far beyond this. It almost felt like Dorit could like stay after the trip, like, you know, be the friend that was sleeping over after your bat mitzvah because she was the closest one. Like, you're going to stay, we'll hang out, we'll debrief together, we'll do all the fun things. And this is just part of like our job. Don't get caught up in it. I think that's what Mauricio would have wanted to say. Like, you're getting caught up in the show bullshit, but he couldn't say that on camera. Yeah. I know a lot of people weren't into this. And I would say 99% of the time, I don't like when the husbands get involved, even when it's defending their wives. But to me, this just felt so different. Like I didn't feel that this was Mauricio coming in because he feels that he can handle women's drama better than they can. I really didn't get that vibe. To me, it was like, you guys, we are family. And as another member of this, like foursome family, let's cut the bullshit. This is your anger is not towards each other. Like I, I really didn't find it to be strange like that. I almost was trying to think about it in the reverse. If it was like my husband and his best friend who were fighting and then I happened to be there. Like, yeah, I would probably say something if me and the wife were all really close friends. Right. Like if PK and Mauricio were going at it, I wouldn't have thought it was weird if Dorit interjected or Kyle did too. I mean, look, we asked for them to be as real as possible and we want it to be not so manufactured and not Mauricio being like, oh, I can't say anything because people won't like that. And it's only the women like, no, he's really standing there. They're really in their house. They're really fighting in the kitchen. Kyle's having a really hard day and he knows that. And he felt in that moment, that's what he needed to do. And that's the reality of the situation. And whether you like it or not, that's kind of what we're here for. Yeah. People weren't down for it, but I, I, 
I think it's a very unpopular opinion that we think it was okay. I didn't like like it. I'm not saying like I'm like here for it, but I also think like it was what it was and it wasn't such a big deal. It didn't no. change the whole way that the thing was going. It's not like we missed something. I honestly felt people were more valid in last week saying like Rena swooping Erica out of there sort of like cut off our plot of the night when Erica was sort of having that breakdown. That to me makes more sense in terms of like a producer mindset of what's okay and what's not okay. People were annoyed that Rinna got her out of there before she said something that would really mess it up. And, you know, maybe we would have gotten something better out of that. But this, I feel like needed to be nipped in the bud. Right. But just to speak really candidly for a second, obviously, selfishly, I would have loved to watch that Erica train continue to go down. I mean, that was really fascinating television. But if Rin and Erica actually are that close friends, like what a terrible friend thing to do to not remove her from the situation. You know, like I obviously as a fan, I wish that she didn't, but like, even if I'm not an Erica fan, I can't necessarily fault her for doing the like morally sound thing to do when it's your friend. Again, that's like the reality, realistic situation. It would be weirder if she just stood there and watched her friend like burn to the ground. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. That's when it gets really complicated. And that's also why I think the show comes in between people so much because there's also totally a world in which Rinna kept it going and maybe even instigated it a little bit more just because she knew what that would do for ratings. But like, Mm -hmm. that's when we said last week, clearly what Erica was saying was so bad that Rinna who cares about that stuff, maybe more than anyone was like, all right, we gotta, we gotta put an end to this. Can we talk about Crystal for a minute? I'd love to. I, like I said in the beginning of this, just think she is so good at what she does. Like she is made for this job and I love it because it's like she came in and doesn't care about any of these like OG or the hierarchy of new girls, old girls being scared of anybody. And she doesn't care because she's so just like, I know what's right and confident in herself even though sometimes I think she like pushes back on that but she definitely is and she's so perfectly confident in her beliefs and her view of the situation that she is not backing down and she's fucking speaking up and I am so obsessed with it and here for it because we need her like she is what we're all thinking you know, I got to be honest, it's, for me, I wasn't even so focused on the content of what they were talking about because I feel that I don't have the best understanding when it comes to like the legalities of the earring stuff. Mm-hmm. To me, it's more so I respect someone so much who when Erica is in the heat of the moment and she is looking at you with daggers in her eyes, who just continues to stay there and just say your piece. Like, I think that you can be a really strong, confident person. And the way Erica speaks, it almost borders like inhumane that Mm -hmm. I think even the strongest person would fold. And so I am just constantly amazed at the way she keeps her composure. I don't think that's an easy thing to do. I don't care who you are. No, totally. Because Erica uses like these scare tactics. You're right. It's not even what Erica's saying. It's how she's saying it. Because most of the things, if she had said them in just like a normal speaking conversational way, aren't scary, but it's the venom that she spews. It's, it's wild. Yeah. It's wild. I mean, I just felt like there was a middle ground that could have been reached here where it's like, again, I don't pretend to know the legalities associated with the earrings, any of that stuff. Fine. I'll even give, I'll even go as far as to give that to Erica. For me, it's like, even if she said, you know, if there are victims, even if she wants to use those choice of words, like 
of course I have the utmost sympathy for them. To me, that would have even been giving something, you know, it's like, you don't have to back down on your position of it only what matters is what happens in a court of law. Maybe that's what your attorney told you to do. I'm not even going to fight you on that. It was just like totally removing the humanity from it is I think what's really chilling. It's funny to watch how simplified the women continue to make it just to like pull it out of her because they almost have gotten to the point where they want to say to her, Erica, if somebody in this world, just some people died or are in need or are struggling, would you say that you have compassion for them? Like they're getting so unspecific about it because they just want her to like say something like you don't have to say it was these victims. You don't even have to say it was this specific incident. Just say that in general, you know what it means to have compassion. Like they just want her to say like, if hypothetically people had less than you and maybe lost somebody that they loved, would you say that you in your heart maybe have some empathy for them? Like she can't even say that. It's like, you know, those, those memes where it's like asking your boyfriend, would you still love me if I was a worm? And they're like, yeah. what are you talking about? And you're like, no, but like, if I was a worm and they're like, but that would never happen. You're like, okay, but hypothetically speaking, if we woke up and I was a worm, would you still love me? It's like, you just right. want them to say, yeah, it's like, Let's that's almost a question. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, we're going nowhere fast is, is what's happening here. And I'm telling you next week, whether it's, footage that we get, or it's just the aftermath in the confessionals, it's going to be a rough time. I mean, you know how we always say like Erica Jane, send so-and-so an edible arrangement to mm-hmm. get the heat off of you. Erica Jane, send Kathy Hilton an edible arrangement for having a small meltdown about her tequila and then a larger one at the Caribou Club and afterwards, because oh, yeah. I have a feeling maybe for one week, Nobody's going to be asking Erica in simple terms if she cares about people who have had misfortunes. Mm -hmm. And for her sake, what a blessing that is. (laughs) For her sake, for sure. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. 
So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Watching this episode with the knowledge that Shep and Taylor are now broken up and then additionally the confirmation from her Insta story last week when she was like, yes, we hang out, but we are fully broken up made this so much more enjoyable because if I had to watch this Austin scene and then know that they were still together, it it would have been hard. Oh, we would have been stressed the fuck out because we could have said, how is she still in this relationship? How are either of them, honestly? I'm just glad that we're able to watch with the lens and that they didn't wait until the season was over to sort of like announce that or to let it happen for dramatic effect. Because I think it honestly probably saved both of them too a lot of hate and backlash of saying like, how are you two together? You have to break up with him or you're so terrible to her. And they're like, we did it. We got it. We're covered. We're good. Yeah. I mean, he is really an impossible person to date. And I felt that scene when Austin is in the shoe store with her. Like to me, I don't know if anyone perceived it as him overstepping a boundary. I really didn't. I think that he has grown to view Taylor like a sister and he sees her sweetness. He knows the kind of person that she is. And he's not trying to shit talk his friend or like break bro code. I think that he feels a moral obligation to say to her, I need you to realize what's going on here. To me, Austin has a lot of downfalls and we've commented on them repeatedly. I have to give him credit for this. I agree. I think it was totally valid in every single way because I think Austin just was like an outside observer, maybe to give her a reality check who wasn't one of her friends and also is someone that knows Shep really well. But to me, honestly, I had such like an epiphany moment watching this scene and it helped me understand why Shep, Craig and Austin have had such a hard time sort of maintaining like a chillness in all of their friendships and why they randomly will have these moments where they like hate each other, but they're also brothers is because they really like each other as people and they love like spending time together. They always have fun, but they are the people who know each other's insecurities and also their faults the most intimately. Like nobody knows Shep's worst qualities more than like Austin and Craig. So they can say, yeah, he's my best friend. I love him. But they are also the first people to say, yeah, Shep is a serial cheater. He is, you know, trying to have full control over you. And they have no problem saying that to other people because they just know it so well. So it's kind of hard to be best friends with someone who is also so quick to like jump on the negatives about you because they know them so well. And also they have no problem acknowledging them to you or to other people. 
Well, yeah, it's interesting. It's like in most relationships, I would say the deepest form of intimacy in a friendship comes from seeing a person at their best, at their worst. And, you know, knowing like I can feel safe no matter what. And this person has seen me at every part of my life and they still love me. And with them, the lows are like really bad. Like sometimes the lows make them question, is this even someone I can continually be friends with? It just makes it really complicated. Well, also you hope that your friends are your biggest cheerleaders. And for them, they maybe have been or can have the ability to be, but they're not being their cheerleaders. Like they're the first ones to say, yeah, like Craig is known for that or he does this or his downfall is this to anybody else who will listen or when it comes in handy. So the fact that they're so quick to do that. And I mean, I think in this case, it wasn't so quick. Like Austin was fully valid and had reason to do it, but it just sort of like made me pull back and evaluate their friendships as a whole and why they're able to do this because when you really think about it, this is like Shep's, one of Shep's closest friends going to his girlfriend to say, this guy is not good for you. When traditionally it would be like a girl or a friend of Taylor's who had no connection to Shep and was able to look at it more objectively. But it also goes to show you kind of the familial-like structure of the cast members on this show because Mm -hmm. Austin and Taylor have really become friends in their own right. And I think a lot of that comes from the way that they all hang out. You know, there's so much togetherness. And I know in certain ways, the Charleston culture is very much like, men are going to be doing this and the women are going to be doing that. Absolutely. They think that they have a lot of activities that are separated by gender. At the same time, though, like there's this real family aspect. And and part of that comes to exactly this. Like This is what you get when you are Shep and you have allowed your friends to get really close with your girlfriend. It's going to come to a point where if they have any sort of a moral compass, they're going to feel an obligation to warn her. Right. Right. Like maybe you just shouldn't be a shitty person. (laughs) Right. And and the thing is, it's not even Austin warning her. I mean, to say warning, it actually completely misrepresents what's going on here. She's aware of it. It's Mm -hmm. almost just him kind of like pleading with her, you know, shaking her to say, I I care about you so deeply. Come on, this is not you. Yeah. And also to like help, I think, ease her decision of like, look, this is not a phase. This is not something that will change. This is not just who he is. It's not what you deserve. And we all like recognize that like your feelings are so valid. And not only do we know that's how he is, but now we've seen it so many times firsthand and it's not fair to you. I think it definitely did. I mean, listen, we don't know the exact timeline, but one thing we do know is that they filmed the reunion this last weekend and Shep and Taylor weren't together, but Taylor, I have to imagine, was at the reunion. So what right. is that going to look like also? You know, it's it's unique. It's very unique. I mean, also, by the way, like POV, your Taylor and one of his closest, oldest friends is like pleading with you to break up with him and being like, he's not a good guy. This is not what you deserve. If that's all like your closest friends are saying about you, imagine what your enemies are saying. I honestly think that the luxury that Shep's enemies have is that they don't have to say a goddamn word. They can Mm -hmm. just say, I'm going to put you to Bravo, whatever channel that is in your state and have at it. In the words of Garcelle, I don't have to make you look bad. You do a good enough job of that yourself. Amen. And I love when Garcelle's words of wisdom are transferable to other shows. Oh, that is like a life lesson that we all can really take with us. I really would like to talk about Craig and Naomi for a second. And okay. I genuinely really, really like Craig. I love him and Paige together. He is definitely my favorite of the guys. But what is the deal? It's like, 
I'm not saying Naomi has handled things perfectly, but the intensity with which he continually comes at her in a way that's so mean and so condescending, I just think is objectively wrong. Like, I don't think the punishment fits the crime at all. To me, she did nothing wrong here. To me, it's that her general presence is bothersome to him for whatever reason, whether that's because he just can't stand her, whether that's unresolved feelings, whether that's because it's triggering for him, whatever it is her being there causes him some sort of an upset. And then he gets pissed at her for something she didn't actually do just for existing. I think it's like really not right. He just like hates her or he just has so many like big feelings about her, whether it digs up things about his self that he doesn't like or his past, or it reminds him of moments, or he just is annoyed by the fact that he has to face her. I think it's much easier when he's not around her because he can sort of like compartmentalize it and block her out, but he might resent the fact that he has to like work with her. I don't know what it is, but something really gets to him like inside of him and he can't handle it. I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying, yes, Craig loves Paige, but all of this is coming down to the fact that he's still in love with Naomi. And honest to God, that's not what I think it is. I really believe that he is in love with Paige and views his life and his future with Paige. I just think it's not as simple as saying he simply hates Naomi. I still think a lot of it comes from the fact that like, at the end of the day, she kind of does, we, I was talking about this with Ryan Bailey, I've said it before, like fill this disapproving parent role. And so mm-hmm. as much as he may dislike her, I think he also seeks validation from her. And when he's not getting that, it's a combination of like all of the qualities about her that he is annoyed by and does resent coupled with like, I just want you to tell me how amazing I'm doing. But like, Craig, aren't we past these blowups? Like, I want to say you're better than that, but clearly you're not. I, I I believe that he is though. It's so frustrating. It's like I put him in a different class than these other guys for the most part. And then he does things like this. And I'm like, this is not you anymore. You don't have to be doing this. Uh, you no, know, just, just don't do it. Like how hard is it? Just don't. Also, let's not uh, forget about the Whitney aspect, which again, No part of me thinks that Craig wants to be with Naomi. I still do think he finds it a little bit uncomfortable that her and Whitney are sleeping together. I'm telling you, I think he feels like it bruises his ego that Naomi is like hooking up with Whitney right after she hooked up with him and that somehow it puts him and Whitney in this sort of like group and bond and I don't know, class together and he doesn't like it. Again, just not something that I saw coming and... Imagine if we didn't see it coming, how much Craig didn't see it coming. Oh my God, literally blindsided. Especially because it's like Naomi, who he knows so well, and they've hung out with Whitney for all these years. And it's, I mean, POV, you're Craig one day and you wake up and you hear that Naomi and Whitney are sleeping together. In Frank Lloyd Wright's bed. (laughs) (laughs) No less. (laughs) No less. Wait, I have to tell you, like, it's rare that I'm audibly laughing from a show when Craig sat on that chair in Patricia's house and the leg broke out, I was losing my fucking mind. I texted you. I was like, this guy cannot catch a break at this house. When they panned to the red wine, not just on the couch, the couch I can handle, but like sprinkled all over the carpet, I wanted to evaporate. Just in Craig's defense for a second, 
If you're Patricia, you know these guys really well at this point. You know how they get when they drink. I just feel like putting these very fragile, delicate Victorian era chairs under these men that are at their shortest 6'1 and pretty rowdy when consuming alcohol, like maybe isn't the move. Like maybe we could have swapped in a lucite chair or a folding chair just for the evening. I loved when Craig was getting so angry at the glasses, like as if the glass stood up and spilled itself over. <laughs> but because like he's literally sitting here like this is worst case scenario. I am at Patricia's house and my red wine is not only on her couch, but now also on her carpet. Like I get it. To me, it's like you blame everything. You just start blaming inanimate objects. And Paige was so right. She's like, you need a sippy cup. And I felt like, yes, Patricia is going to get Baccarat sippy cups and keep them around the next time she's a boys night. I'm going to tell you one thing. If I'm at that house, the only thing that I'm drinking is a tequila soda. I don't even want lime or lemon. I just want clear fucking liquid. I'm just going to, I'll be dry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm too nervous. We're just going to take an edible and call it a day. Exactly. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. Let's just start out the Atlanta reunion with an honorable mention to the birds chirping because the dramatic effect that they added to this entire section cannot be lost on us. No, I was out on those birds. To me, I was like, how is Andy not losing it? I feel like Andy has no patience for any sort of outside noise, yet he was cool as a cucumber when these birds were chirping their heads off. I mean, you're trying to make a point. You're trying to drive it home. You have these bullets. You've been waiting to say your point. And these birds are chirping in your ear. It was so distracting for us. I can't imagine how it felt for the women. And I just know by the next part, we are not going to hear a chirp. Like they are out of there. Those birds, they let them free. There is not a bird in sight. That's for (laughs) damn sure. I just feel like, I mean, not to sound like I know anything more than these producers or editors know. I have a lot of respect for them. However, this feels like there was no foresight, you know? Right. Like, where was the sound editor? They must have fallen asleep during that meeting and just been like, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, that sounds great. And then they show up and there's like 500 birds chirping in the booms. Right. It's like one thing about birds, they're going to chirp. I feel like I know nothing about birds. <laughs> That's one thing I know for sure. So, I mean, yeah, the, I don't know. The whole aesthetic could have been uh, achieved with fake birds. Maybe that could have but been But I fun. did like how when there was an awkward silence or a pause or like a moment, you still had the birds chirping and everyone sort of just looking around. Like they added something. I can't even lie. They added something, but not the thing. <laughs> I feel like we have always really rooted for Drew, like tried to give her the benefit of the doubt and acknowledged her downfalls, but praised her when something was worthy of celebration and also obviously given grace to the Ralph situation because that's just a whole whole other thing. But 
I don't know. What do you think? In this whole Sonia Drew thing, I was believing Sonia, and I wouldn't say that thus far in the season I've been a huge Sonia fan, but I just felt like at a certain point, maybe it is true that Drew isn't being as truthful as we maybe previously thought. Well, I think it also just was a reminder overall of the things that Drew has done and said that have proved that she's not super truthful and that she sometimes like twists or exaggerates the truth. So it, it wasn't so much that I was like all of a sudden not believing Drew. It was sort of a reminder of like, oh yeah, we've gone through a lot with her that actually makes her really untrustworthy. So I do believe Sonia when she says that. I kind of did as well. I mean, I still don't really know what they're fighting about. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's like, it feels like it's so far gone at this point. But I think just the general message she was saying is like, I actually thought we had a legitimate friendship and you were more focused on the show. And like, if if I got the MO ahead of time that the show was going to be the focus, fine. But you kind of didn't frame it as that. And then that's what I fell into. I I could understand that more because I feel like that sometimes does happen when people get on these shows. Right. I agreed with what Andy said when he said, I like seeing the two of you together. I thought they could have been a great sort of duo, somewhat new girls. Like that's the kind of vibe that we need is that energy of two really funny, good friends who also both have like important roles in the group and bring drama. But clearly that did not go so well. The Sheree stuff is so funny because like I will always respect her as the OG and I certainly recognize the iconicness that she brings to the franchise. But at a certain point, it's like, she's just spitballing here. Like a lot of this stuff is, is total, is kind of total bullshit. No. Yeah. I mean, Sheree is sort of like, I don't know. I think it's funny when you really compare like the Chateau Sheree and the She by Sheree stuff of like, why can't you just get anything done? And then also the rumors about her not paying people and Andy feeling the need to have to clarify, like if you go into a haircut and you're not into the haircut, you still have to pay the hairdresser. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I would do that. You know, like there's just something about the way Sheree works that is so funny and fascinating, but also like, I don't know, frustrating is the right word. I feel like with Sheree, it's like 97% of the way I am so on board with her. Like, I think she's a great friend, a great mom, a great person. I'm so into it. And then there's this 3% where it's like, things don't really work like that. Like, where is this coming from, you know? Right. Like, we know that your kids are in their 20s, you know, and she's like, I have to deal, I have to be home and deal with the kids. And it's like, your kids don't even live at home. Yeah. But you know what? I think that she can almost, I don't want to say hide behind the OG and the icon status, but I think that it does give her a little bit of insulation. And you know what? I think that that's a privilege that you are just awarded when you started at the ground up in one of these shows. So I do think there's a little bit more space that can be given. And I just love having her around. Right. I'd rather have her and like think some of the ways that she goes about things don't really make sense than not have her. Right. Exactly. The Marlowe stuff is really, really intense. I just have a lot of empathy for what she's gone through in her life. And I'm not saying that it's an excuse for some of the way that she's treated some of the women at all. I know that everyone comes in with their own issues, but I feel, to be honest, like just as a commentator, because I'm not someone that's ever been directly impacted by Marlo, I almost feel uncomfortable saying anything after what she said. Like that is a reality that I can't even imagine going through. And I just think like, that's a lot for one person. No, and I, I'm so glad that they gave her this moment and really let her take her time telling her story and talking about it because honestly, I feel like we learned more about her in this 
part of the reunion than we have all season. Even her this first season of her having her own peach in a way. Like we learned a lot of logistics, but I felt like she really gave us her heart and her entire journey and experience in this time. And I think it wasn't just insightful for us as viewers, but it was insightful to the other women. I mean, they were hearing things that they had heard for the first time. And, you know, Kenya made a comment about like, I don't think Marlo did a great job as a housewife this season. And it wasn't so much like an attack on her personally. It was more just she wished she showed a different side of her. And honestly, I kind of like, I got that. And I think Marlo was even receptive to that of like, you don't need to show us this or that, like, just be who you are. I also think that sometimes when you're in a situation like this, where Andy's asking you about your personal life, it can come across like you're saying this because you want to give an excuse for your behavior. And I truly did not feel that way. Maybe some of the other women took it like that. I didn't. I felt like she was just giving a full-blown explanation and she wasn't trying to make an excuse necessarily. I felt like she was saying, here's why I am the way I am and I still have work to do, but I'm just providing context. Did you feel that it was like an excuse or did you feel that it was explanatory? No, because I don't think Marlo feels that she necessarily has shown a lot of behavior this season that had to be excused. I think in a lot of ways, she still stands behind everything she did and said and how she acted. So this was, for me, it felt like pretty organic and just really trying to get everyone to understand where she's coming from when she does these things and not also not apologizing at the same time for anything she's done. Yeah. And I I thought that the moment when she went around and like stated all of the other women's accomplishments, which I know some people may have felt was really rehearsed. I don't know. I, I am a sucker for that kind of stuff. I like it. I thought that it was a really touching moment. To me, I found that to be impactful because it was almost like she was getting in touch with this younger self that just wanted to be accepted. And I feel like that moment when she kind of acknowledged the pride she felt for everyone around her and then where she fit in with that I don't know. I thought it was like a beautiful moment. I know some people think it's bullshit. I didn't. I didn't either. I thought it was like a real, holy shit, I'm so proud of myself moment. Like this is the company I'm surrounded by and almost at their quote level. That is such a confidence boost to me and also such a sign of like, hey, maybe I did. I made something of myself. Yeah, because I think for so much of her life, she wanted to be told like, I'm proud of you. You did a good job. You are enough. You know, like unconditional love is something that... it's so important like to just have that of no matter what I do, no matter what happens, I know that there's people that are going to love me and be proud of me unconditionally. Right. And she didn't have that. And I just like, I don't know, I'd be lying to you if I said that I don't feel a little bit uncomfortable criticizing her or critiquing that display because to me that was really honest and really genuine and I don't feel – comfortable doing so. Like, I can't imagine what that's like, you know? You and I have been really, really fortunate in our lives to have such a solid support system since we were young, you know? Like, we never had to worry about feeling loved or accepted or included when when we were growing up. Like, our childhood was a really loving experience. And I think that that shapes a person's life in a lot of ways. Not saying you can't move past it. Of course not. Look at what she's done. But you carry those emotional wounds. So, like, the last thing I'm going to do is now come down on her for what I felt to be really vulnerable. And I also liked when they put it in context of her not getting a peach for all these years and finally getting a peach and sort of what that represented. Because I think for a lot of people, they wouldn't take it so seriously. They'd be like, whatever, you're still on the show. And like, who cares? That's not the ultimate prize. But for Marlo, it sort of represented like striving for something or not being included or not getting something and then finally getting it. And I think Andy, even in that moment, it clicked for him at what a accomplishment and also 
maybe a hardship that's been for the last however many years she's been on the show. Oh, totally. I mean, there's absolutely a connection there. Yeah. Yeah. The candy stuff was interesting because so much of what they were talking about happened off camera. And I stand by everything that we just said about Marlo. But in this moment, like, if you ask me who was I believing more, I was more believing Candy because I don't think Candy gets heated like that unless she feels like an attack on her character was really unwarranted. And when she was explaining, like, I have repeatedly tried to help you so many times and then to frame me in this light where I have it, like, that hurts. It cuts me deep. I almost felt like Candy was going to start crying, which is not something I ever really feel. So some could call it a really good acting job on her part. I don't know. I, I was more on Team Candy for this little argument. Me too, because I think being a helpful, giving person in all different ways, whatever that means to you, is such a part of Candy's character that she herself takes pride in. And I think like one of her favorite things about herself. For So for Marlo to not only attack that quality, which I think would have hurt regardless, but also to have been on the receiving end of Candy's outreach so many times in so many different ways. It just made it that much worse for Candy and also probably so much more frustrating for her. Yeah. I think that she was really, really frustrated. Like you felt that. That's why I remember we were saying current day Marlo and Candy, it's not looking so hot. Yeah. And you can tell why, because I think Marlo sort of doubles down on that. Yeah. And I, I, that's what it is. I think Candy was really expecting that she wasn't going to go there. Like, I don't think that Candy thought she would have brought this up in this way and doubled down. I think she's like, hell no, fine. Say it one time, allude to it, but you have a moment to kind of make it right. And I think she was really personally, uh, you know, upset by the fact that she didn't. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, just to go back to Sheree for a second. Do we know if she's still dating this guy? Because the mystery man is reality star Martella Holt from Love and Marriage Huntsville. I don't know if she's still seeing him, but I just want good things for Sheree. I don't know if she, her her picking of men is necessarily like the best, but she seemed happy. This reunion wasn't that long ago, but like you do you, Sheree. But yeah, you do you, and we will be here to support you, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention from Atlanta or anything else? No, I think that's it. Good week. We said this off air, but it felt like these episodes, all three of them were sort of warm-ups because next weeks of each of them look like where the real action happens. So I'm very excited about that. I think we get an Austin Shep fight. We get more at the Atlanta reunion and we get the Aspen meltdown finale. Yes. Oh, we also forgot to mention that we got the Winter House preview, which <laughs> there's nothing like a Winter House preview with this Sandoval and Schwartz popping up to talk about like the alcohol poisoning. That really hurt my brain. I was like, where did you come from? What am I watching? Yeah, no, that was really going back to the OG Disney Channel, like Hannah Montana, Sweet Life. We love a crossover. Constantly. We reference that every episode, but it's just so fitting. I never knew while watching Sweet Life and Hannah Montana that that would be such a theme in my later 20s. <laughs> No, you know. <laughs> okay, well, we love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. And we'll be back next week. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Frida Fertility. 
Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.